Thank you for listening to the Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, where the puck drops here. Let's get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a f what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this thing. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my paper. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six and take this. Hate it. Richard Nixon's vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. If you hear uh, I like to think the ones of, what do you call it, music at the restaurants or on the elevators? That music is destructive. That music, if we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music, uh, I have a new record coming out I was like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Jim Dwyer's off this week. He's got uh, family obligations connected with the upcoming holidays. So we'll keep it kind of light tonight. (laughs) And, of course, I'm being a little sarcastic, but uh, it's been a kind of a busy week in the news. It's my understanding that there's been a decision regarding the Ferguson grand jury, but I don't know what it is. They haven't announced it yet, but that might be coming later, so I'm certainly not going to talk about that tonight, because I don't know what the decision is. But uh, obviously there's been another rash of strange incidents over the past week involving the police and guns and people getting shot in strange places under strange circumstances. And the moral of the story is America has too many guns. More on that later. Obviously, sort of the big news of the week, the big news of today, was the somewhat surprising announcement of the resignation of Chuck Hagel, Defense Secretary. 
Uh, I think that that is connected to some minor policy disagreements, but uh, we'll let the pundits in Washington mull that over over the next couple of weeks. Hegel was uh, an interesting character in that he came in uh, ostensibly because he's a kind of a budget hawk. And Obama overall has, uh, although he's been a little slow at this, has gotten our troops out of uh, Iraq for the most part. Of course, that's been costly uh, because ISIS has been able to fill a vacuum first in northwestern Iraq and northeastern Syria, where they're uh, part of the remnants of the Sunni uh, elements that were part of the uh, fallout from the uh, misguided invasion by the United States of Iraq. And this, of course, is at the heart of the problem. And certainly there's been a couple of instances over the last couple of months, I would say, where Chuck Hagel has spoken frankly and possibly... <laughs> not been uh, on messages, they say, in politics regarding a policy that I think is still developing with respect to ISIL. Of course, it's a depressing week when you hear about uh, people being uh, hauled off of a, of a bus in Kenya and assassinated uh, for not knowing the Koran verses that were that al-Shabaab was uh, uh, forcing out of their mouths. Uh, this, of course, is right out of the Nazis. Uh, there's no justice in this. There's no reason for this kind of behavior. And it's my understanding, I heard this on the BBC last night, that the Kenyan government has launched a counteroffensive against uh, this sort of... Uh, yeah, it's, it's just plain out Nazi criminality, the kind of uh, stuff that went on after the uh, Nazis went into Poland in 1939 and occurred in many of the occupied areas of the former Soviet Union, as well as the collaboration of states that participated in the genocide that occurred in Eastern Europe during World War II in which people were selected for religious reasons for initially uh, the Nazis were just shooting people and using portable gas chambers. Then they went to the incredible madness of organizing railroad cars to ship people to uh, what is now eastern Poland for the gas chambers. And uh, we had an attack you know, against some volleyball players. I mean, this this kind of stuff is just, it's sickening. And you don't know what really to do about it. Uh, obviously, you have to counteract it. And I think that this might have been part of the disagreement on policy between uh, Chuck Hagel and the President of the United States. But uh, we'll see what happens in terms of Obama's last two years. Of course, the big uh, news this week out of the Obama administration was the immigration uh, executive order. And without going into too complicated a discussion of the legality of executive orders, certainly executive orders have happened. I heard a couple of Republicans compare this to the 
uh, Youngstown Steel case, which uh, is ridiculous. Uh, the Youngstown Steel case, by the way, occurred during the Korean War. And the Supreme Court ultimately ruled against the Truman administration. The Truman administration tried to uh, seize the production of the Youngstown Steel uh, works, Youngstown, Ohio, is the Youngstown in question, um, because of strike activity that was going on there. And they deemed that the steel production was necessary for the so-called emergency that was occurring in Korea. Of course, Congress did not declare war in the in the so-called Korean War, and it's interesting that we're now having some open discussions during the lame duck session of Congress about possibly declaring war on ISIL. Uh, ISIL, of course, is not a sovereign nation. It's a, it's sort of a a renegade operation uh, in uh, parts of the Middle East that are under extreme duress because of civil war. Critics of the Bush administration's desire to go in a, into war in Iraq all predicted the chaos that would ensue. Iraq, of course, is not a nation-state in the way we think of the United States or France or England. It's a cobbled-together nation-state that was bound to disintegrate once the United States overthrew Saddam Hussein. And while Clausewitz may say that the purpose of war is to overthrow the enemy, we've seen in the United States' uh, activities over the last uh, several decades that wars in the Middle East are particularly messy and that America is not well-suited to be an occupying force and that an occupying force really doesn't work uh, in the modern world. It worked in World War II because Japan and Germany and Italy to a lesser extent were uh, signatories of Geneva conventions and whatnot. They accepted defeat eventually, but it took the proclamation after the Casablanca conference uh, that Churchill and Roosevelt had during World War II in which the United States declared a uh, policy of unconditional surrender. And needless to say, in the latter parts of 1944 and 1945, I think you can persuasively make the case that uh, America and the Allies, and in this case the Allies were uh, essentially uh, Russia and Great Britain, China to a much lesser degree. There were other partic there were other participating nations, by the way, but this was basically an American operation in terms of uh, logistical support. And of course, Stalin supplied the ground troops uh, to defeat Germany from the east. But this was total war. Uh, there were uh, massive atrocities that occurred on the Allied side in the latter months of World War II simply because the Nazis uh, would not surrender, and neither would the imperialistic, militaristic Japanese government. It took two atomic bombs, and it also took an invasion of Manchuria, a part of China that the Japanese had occupied for 18 years, 
uh, to convince the Japanese government to finally surrender. But we uh, know, uh, and it's interesting, that uh, Mike Nichols passed away this past week. And, uh, of course, the media was uh, very focused on some of his most well-known movies. But I thought it was interesting what short shrift they gave to Catch-22. Catch-22, of course, is uh, based on a famous novel by Joseph Heller. And it was made in the, I want to say 1970. I should have probably looked this up. Outstanding sort of all-star cast. But it was a very anti-war movie. And being anti-war about World War II was uh, kind of a difficult proposition, even in the 1970s. Uh, I, of course, uh, consider myself in general to be a pacifist, but I do think I'm not an extreme pacifist. I think that there are occasions where war, unfortunately, becomes the only policy that's going to work. Adolf Hitler was not a man uh, to negotiate with. I read a book a couple of years ago in which it's now been revealed that the Nazis intended to exterminate 40 to 70 million people in Eastern Europe. And, of course, the targets of this extermination were primarily Jews and Slavs. And uh, the Nazi regime had to be exterminated. It had to be defeated totally. So the impact of total war in which many civilians died Unnecessarily, you can argue, um, because the regimes in Japan and Germany wouldn't surrender um, as easily as the French did, for instance. And uh, this total war problem is, I think, a problem that the United States is still grappling with. We've been in too many wars since World War II, too many undeclared wars, and too many wars that are, in essence, imperialism. But I do believe that the element known as ISIL does need to be destroyed. And it's unfortunate that the Iraqi government or the Syrian government, to the extent that the Syrian government still exists, it really is only in control of a very small part of uh, western Syria at this point, uh, Damascus and whatnot. Uh, it's my understanding, by the way, that Aleppo is still nominally in control of the government after the rebels, after some rebel groups uh, were involved in uh, um, <clears throat> uh, briefly taking Aleppo. But Chuck Hagel and Obama apparently had some disagreements, and we'll probably find out a little bit more about this in upcoming weeks, regarding the approach to Assad. And it strikes me that Obama's idea of focusing on ISIL and not Assad is the way to go for the time being. Um, and obviously there are numerous other problems. We've had uh, horrible uh, incidents involving Boko Haram and, and Nigeria and all sorts of uh, very, very despicable things that kind of make this a chilly holiday season. Very interesting article, by the way, in Sunday's New York Times entitled, When is a War Over?, and uh, how do you know when w the war is over? And, of course, this is sort of in reference to the fact that there is open discussion now occurring here in the United States about sending ground troops into uh, 
northwestern Iraq, what used to be northwestern Iraq, and uh, northeastern Syria to deal with ISIL. And I think that Obama at the moment is not agreed with that policy. But uh, I noticed that Rand Paul spoke spoke up this week and is advocating the Congress declare war on ISIL. Uh, I'm skeptical of this because, as I say, they're not a nation state. And I think that the multilateral approach is the way to go uh, for the time being. Now, the interesting thing about this immigration uh, executive order, by the way, is that Obama has uh, basically spoken the truth that other presidents have issued these kinds of executive orders on the specific policy of immigration. I do not think, however, that the United States at this point is having a very honest debate about immigration in any sense of the world, of the word. Uh, you know, we're in the 21st century now, and we're seeing political pressure in a number of Western European countries and in the United States about the immigration problem. And at the heart of the immigration problem is overpopulation in the globe and the complete disparity in resource allocation between first world nations and second world nations. The United States, of course, has an unfortunate legacy of imperialism that's never discussed. Uh, One-seventh of the country of El Salvador, for instance, fled death squad activity in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan uh, signed the so-called amnesty bill. That was an amnesty bill. Uh, there is a picture in... Uh, um, the New York Times last week showing Ronald Reagan signing the amnesty bill in 1986. Behind him are Strom Thurmond, George H.W. Bush, who also signed an immigration executive order, Mr. Simpson. And I don't recognize the guy on the far left, but I'm sure it's Mazzoli. That was called the Mazzoli-Simpson bill. Alan Simpson, the Republican senator from Wyoming, and Mazzoli was a Democratic congressman, I believe from Kentucky, obviously with an Italian-American name like Mazzoli that rhymes with cannoli. He probably was an Italian that probably lived in Louisville. I don't remember that much about uh, Mr. Mazzoli other than his name is attached to a bill that Ronald Reagan signed, and all immigration experts point out that it was an amnesty bill. The next year, by the way, he expanded the Simpson-Mazzoli bill and extended amnesty, amnesty to an additional 100,000 uh, citizens um, who had left the country and used fraudulent documents to be readmitted uh, and shielded them from deportation. Uh, much of this immigration executive order that Obama has signed are actually connected to the issue of deportation. For the record, and this, of course, is part of the disinformation uh, being enlisted by the uh, usual suspects in Washington, D.C., Fox News Network, and the political hacks that are attacking Obama for political reasons. And, of course, you know, this is a tough decision. This is not. Uh, overwhelmingly popular with the American people for all kinds of reasons. Uh, most opinion polls show that this is roughly about a 48-40 kind of uh, 
split on the immigration um, uh, immigration executive order that the president signed. But I'd like to point out what some of the actual facts are uh, regarding Obama's policy with respect to immigration. It notes, uh, this is from Julia Preston, dated uh, the uh, 2nd of October uh, of uh, this year. This is like a month before the election. This is news that got drowned out by the Ebola crisis. And as one uh, person uh, wittily noted, more people have been married to Kim Kardashian than have died from Ebola in the United States. But that's what the media was feeding the American public uh, throughout the month of October. Very little on this deportation thing, by the way. And I hasten to add that the Republicans sort of downplayed their anti-immigration stances. Uh, Now, of course, they're coming back out of the woodwork, and they don't want to solve the problem. Uh, It's been pointed out that John Boehner has had 512 days to allow a vote in the House of Representatives on the Senate-passed bill, a bipartisan bill, as Barack Obama pointed out, um, and he won't allow the vote because his uh, way of running the House of Representatives is very strange indeed. Uh, In fact, I think it's unprecedented in American history and has garnered John Boehner um, intellectual critiques from the establishment in Washington that claim that under Boehner, uh, the Congresses have been the most dysfunctional in American history. Uh, Ted Cruz, of course, has uh, thrown a few temper tantrums in the last couple of days. On my way down here, I noticed it was kind of windy. I was looking for some witches that might have been wrapped around telephone poles. And I was looking for Ted Cruz, but I didn't see him anywhere. But he, as usual, is spouting a lot of nonsense. Getting back to the facts on deportations. In 2013, 438,421 deportations, a record number, occurred, giving the total under Barack Obama over 2 million during his time in office. And they note that the deportations increased more than 20,000 over 2012 and by more than 51,000 in 2011. Before that, there was a significant decline at the pace of enforcement. So the facts are Obama actually has deported more um, so-called illegal aliens. That's a a term that I have some problems with, even though I'll just temporarily use it, uh, than other um, presidents. They also note, by the way, that 44% of the deportations in 2013 were fast-track removals of migrants shortly after they were apprehended at the border. So, of course, Obama's not down at the border personally supervising these deportations. But the point is, is that the policy under the Obama administration has not been this lax thing that the Republican Party is trying to portray in the media. They keep trying to say, well, we'll pass the bill once the border is secure. Well, that's patently absurd. Uh, It's been well established that 40% of the illegal, um, well, I won't call them aliens. Let's just say illegal entrants into the United States are simply people that flew in 
and overstayed their visa. And then, of course, there's the ugly reality of American imperialism in Central America. Death squad activities in Guatemala. Death squad activities that the Reagan administration restored in terms of financing in the 1980s. If you look at the countries which we're getting immigrants coming in from, from Latin America, they're coming mainly from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. And these were parts of the Reagan administration's policy of waging war against Nicaragua. Notice the Nicaraguans are not clamoring to get to the United States. Maybe they have a memory of what the United States was doing to them in the 1980s under Ronald Reagan. That's part of the problem. The second problem is Mexico, which had a population of about 14 million in 1940, is a population now of 150 million. And there are probably 25 to 30 million Mexicans. Some of them are quote-unquote Mexican-Americans, and some of them are here illegally, obviously, in the United States. Well, Mexico is another country. It's got an egregious policy. First of all, abortion is illegal in Mexico. Catholic Church has a lot of power. It's overpopulated. The oligarchs own too much of the, of the, the, the resources in, in Mexico, and there is a complete breakdown in the rule of law in Mexico. <laughs> we know all about the ugly disappearance of the 43 students that's now finally putting enough pressure on the government of Mexico. And the president of Mexico probably won't survive. But the point is, is I'm trying to make, is that uh, this executive order is, is not unprecedented. Uh, it's interesting to actually read some of the Youngstown Steel ruling that was made by the Supreme Court. Uh, Robert Jackson wrote the majority opinion. It was decided 6-3 to three against Harry Truman's right to seize the uh, Youngstown Steelworks. But the reasoning, the legal reasoning that was used to oppose Truman had nothing to do with executive orders or executive power. It was connected mainly to the seizure of power and property, the seizure of property minus a declaration of war that the Truman administration was using in court as their justification for why they wanted to implement this policy. Uh, it's interesting that Jackson cites the presidents Washington, Jefferson, Monroe, Jackson, and Lincoln during the Civil War, as well as Hayes during the railroad strike of 1877 and Grover Cleveland in the Pullman strike of 1895, in which executive orders were made without congressional authorization. Jackson noted that Lincoln, without a declaration of war, because, of course, the Civil War was not a declaration of war. It was an insurrection led by Johnny Reb when they fired on Fort Sumter. Now, we know that it was about slavery, and we know that it was about civil rights. But at the end of the day, Lincoln regarded the insurrection as the justification for why he did all sorts of things using executive power. Jackson wrote, President Lincoln took energetic action with the outbreak of the Civil War. He summoned troops and paid out of the Treasury without appropriation thereof. He proclaimed a naval blockade of the Confederacy, and he seized ships violating the blockade. 
Congress, far from denying the validity of these acts, gave them express approval, eventually. And, of course, that's the important thing here. Congress can fix this uh, executive order that so outrages them by passing the bill, by doing their job for once in their life. You know, it's remarkable. John Boehner even blocked tax reform that was instituted and organized by Dave Camp, who was chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. He's, of course, retiring in a couple of weeks. Wanted to uh, make note of the fact that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly here on uh, this fine station. I even saw Weston in the building, so he's going to be doing Yazoo City Calling. One of the other interesting stories of the last week, by the way, uh, did not get much media coverage here in the United States. It was a study about terrorism globally in which a professor noted that there have been 10,000 attacks, 18,000 deaths, and that most of the attacks have occurred in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Pakistan, and Nigeria. And most of the perpetrators of the attacks have been Boko Haram, ISIL, Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban. And the terrorism is up 61% from the previous year, and that over time... Terrorism has, has only ended with armed conflict in 7% of the cases. That This generally comes down to negotiations. Uh, and, of course, the reasons for uh, terrorism are ongoing conflicts in which state-sponsored terrorism is occurring. Ronald Reagan is familiar with that problem, but the Republican Party doesn't seem to be. Uh, they seem to have amnesia about the problem. Uh, group grievances against the government... <laughs> Think of Tea Party, and high levels of criminality. Think of Mexico. Anyway, I'd like to thank Andrew this evening. He's been our uh, reliable engineer. And do stay tuned. We are out of time here on Gray Matters. Yazoo City Calling, coming up next on this fine station. Today on Medical Matters, the horror of vitamin FF deficiency. I'm not feeling right. Vitamin FF is a little-known but essential substance for human body chemistry. My stool is hard. Lack of vitamin FF can manifest itself in a variety of symptoms. You know, my headaches and I'm breaking out in cold sweats and my ears are sad and... Vitamin FF is only found at specifically enlightened radio stations that are committed to the propagation of the free-form style of broadcasting. Check your local listings for a government-approved source. I haven't been sleeping very well lately either. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. Use only as prescribed. Good evening, the time is 7.01, and this is Yazoo City Calling, your weekly broadcast of the original Down Home Blues, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. here on 88.3 FM. Since 1988, when Jerry Max started this program, my name is Weston, and I'm your host this week. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to call and make a request, 734-763-3500 is the phone number. 
On this evening's show, we'll be listening to a collection of phonograph records made from the year 1924 to the year 1949, and we'll get started here with long.